Good evening and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, how you doing tonight? <laughs> Good. Hopefully everyone is doing well. Um, we are really excited to welcome back. Um, this is not like a guest or a feature anymore. This is just like our, I feel like this is like part of our three-person booth here. So we're welcoming back Katie Harper to the podcast. Katie, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'll, I'll gladly be a three-person booth whenever needed. Well, unfortunately for you, just like unfortunately for us, this is not a, um, <laughs> this has never been a, a paid gig for Rob and I. So <laughs> here we are, right? So all three of us are just sitting here having fun talking about the Dukes as always. Um, we are actually brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia tonight. Uh, you can go by the shop right now. I know it's snowing. Everyone's buried. They're sliding around wherever you are. Um, most of our audience is sliding around the last couple of days. Um, but Spring Creeks will be up soon, and it's time to uh, start thinking about what you need to stay warm in March. So go by and see Brian and Colby and the guys at Mossy Creek anytime. Please mention us. Uh, if you don't get your sticker this time, we're, we're figuring that out, and there will be some kind of free swag of some kind eventually this year. So we're, we're trying to take it easy. Rob, we might even have, who knows, we might even have like legit podcast business next week. So. We'll yeah, see. We it's in the <laughs> yeah. Works. yeah. I did want to give before we started, I did want to say a thank you to JMU. Rob, I was a little critical last week, very politely so, but they reached out directly afterwards. I had mentioned immediately. that immediately. Immediately. Yeah, immediately. I was a little like frustrated by the lack of communication on like some of the Duke Club issues uh with parking and what the season's gonna be and that kind of stuff, and then softball and baseball schedule. And you were right, Rob, softball and baseball were just trying to deal with COVID cancellations and figuring out the schedule. I note that softball opens at UVA at the end of the month on the t- February 27th, and baseball opens at home against Bowling Green on March 5th. So both of those teams have their schedules up on JMU's website. I'm glad to see that. And of course, everybody in the Duke Club got a pretty substantial and I think um, you know self-explanatory email about the spring football season. And at least to the extent they know it, what the 2021 Duke club year is going to look like. So big thanks to the school for that. Um, Katie, first of all, we're all watching hockey right now. I know it's not your team. Rob and I are the annoying caps fans you have to live with, but (laughs) they never lose. So well, not regulation. (laughs) Right. Right. And right now they're fighting. So what's your impression on the early hockey season here? I have been loving it. I think I watch at least one, maybe two games a day. It doesn't really matter who's playing. I put it on and I just, the Canadian division, I know it will never stay more than like a season, but I just, I think it should be every year. It's been so much fun to watch the teams in Canada go at each other every day, but mm-hmm. it's been really good. I'm at Dallas. I hate seeing that they're good right now, but they're just had that delayed start. And now they're just killing the game. It's annoying. Yeah. But the Flyers have had the the Blackhawks are better yeah. than I was expecting them to be, especially right now. Flyers with, don't lose much either, and the Flyers don't either. So I my my number one team is eh, my number two team's doing pretty well. So I'm okay. Good, yeah. I, I that Canadian division is really cool. I wonder I, the ratings must be off the charts up there for, for the Canadian division. I can only division. begin to imagine what they're like right now. I <laughs> right, just, that, I, I know. All these divisions are better. I mean, as a Caps fan, 
it's so fun to be essentially back in the Patrick division. Yeah. It's like, and it's not, like the eighties again. Yes. And not playing all these Sunbelt moron teams all the time. Um, so I, I'm definitely enjoying that um, playing Boston and Philly every night, but yeah. Um, I'm like the biggest fan. I was going to say, yeah, I'm the biggest ahead. fan of the Kachuk family, like all of them. And mm-hmm. so seeing Brady and Matthew Kachuk constantly have to play these teams that do not like them has been so enjoyable. <laughs> and I can't wait to see them have to play each other. I think, it, I think they play each other seven times, maybe eight, but it's, I'm so excited for that. Yeah. That's nuts. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. And then the other thing I, last year in the, um, you know, the finish of the regular season and the bubble finals and stuff. I sort of struggled with hockey with the lack of fans more than I did with like the NBA. But this year it's I don't know. I guess it's just like having the whole season and knowing it in advance. Like I'm not it's not bothering me nearly as much watching the Caps play. The lack of fans didn't bother me over the summer. It was just something about the way they restarted with like yeah the the throwaway games before the playoffs or seating. It just it was anticlimactic. Like I'm I'm gonna Caps group text and Everybody in that was even like, even the most hardcore fans were like, it was just hard to turn the switch. For some reason, it was a little easier with basketball. I know they played the similar sort of mm-hmm. play-in type thing, but I just didn't think that aspect of it worked for hockey. They had to do something. They couldn't go straight into playoffs, but the playoffs were good. I watched a lot of the playoffs, even though the Caps bombed out. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it, it's weird how quickly I've adjusted to no fans in general. And I think it works much better with the NBA and NHL where you can just tarp things like, it, you know, <laughs> right. it, just, it just makes it look easy. You can, when there's the no down. Field yeah. Goals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's none of that. So, yeah. Oh, well, speaking of that, by the time most people listen to this, it will be 18 days to kickoff for the football team. And I don't, it's so weird, right? We all are kind of, I don't know, snowed in or borderlines, depending on where you live. Like, Everyone had a storm of some kind in the last 24 to 36 hours. And it just feels so weird, right? <laughs> to be making hot chocolate and thinking about the football season starting in 18 days. Um, but I loved Coach Signetti's quotes this week. I mean, tip I felt like they were extremely coach speak for him. Mm-hmm. He's usually pretty frank and like pretty, I don't know. I, I mean, I found him refreshingly like not a high school coach. Yeah. Um, but this was very high school coaches. Like we're going to, I'm a hundred percent sure we're going to play and a hundred percent sure we're going to finish. And I was like, okay, <laughs> but it did make me excited. So what, what were you thinking, Rob? Well, I just, it, I don't want to attribute all to Saban because he's got a much longer and diverse resume than simply his time at Alabama. But it certainly is in line with when you talk about not the coach speak or the rah-rah, like he says things to the media that are clearly for the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not going to be any of these amazing quotes. I don't think you're going to get a lot of t-shirt ideas. But then every once in a while, he does drop the very like dry tweet here, you know, dry humor tweet. But now I'm with you. It's he does seem particularly fired up, and I wonder if that's just kind of pent up the the angst of being kind of in lockdown and everything. But he does seem to be a little bit more aggressive <laughs> um, with with his. It, He's just exuberant about the prospects of the season. And I don't know if that's he's pleased with his team or if he just is so ready to be back on the field like everybody else and have a good distraction. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's funny to to think about. Um, Katie, but in much bigger football news, 
uh, before we come back to JMU. There are three Dukes going to the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in some form. Um, one of whom is the starting right guard that you covered, Aaron Stinney. Is this just crazy to think about? It's so exciting. Aaron Stinney, was, yeah. I think he was the second ever football player at JMU I interviewed. So I'm really holding <laughs> on to this one. Like he's in the Super Bowl. Let's go. I've talked to him before. Of course, yes. it was, I think, a single interview I've ever had with him. But it was the first time I think I truly realized how much bigger um, football <laughs> linemen are than me. And so he's a very large human being. And I can see why he is now um, starting on an NFL line. Yeah. Well, it's and- funny you say that, Katie, because I remember like when we went to JMU, everybody, I didn't know much about FCS football or 1AA at the time, but everybody said like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're really good. They're just a little bit smaller and maybe a little bit slower than the guys at, you know, the, the Power Five or whatever. What was it? The BCS or whatever back when we were there. And I was amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, because these guys look like monsters to me walking around campus. Um, and, and Stinney is obviously on another level, but it's just crazy when you think about the fact that a guy like Stinney was maybe a little bit undersized compared to a lot of his <clears throat> peers heading into the league. You know, it's those guys are just freaks of nature. The the sheer mass they have, but also the athleticism. Like those dudes can beat us in a forty. Like you know, they're they're three hundred pound guys, or even the shuttle drill. It's just they're absolute freaks of nature. Well, and this is going to be so fun because I, I mean, Josh Wells comes from a different you know, a little bit different era of JMU football. And then we were saying our third one, Earl Watford got re-signed to the practice squad for the Bucks, which we had the Kansas City COVID announcements today. So it, it's not impossible there'll be three Dukes on the field um, no. on Sunday. No, no, no. And, and Rob, you and I have talked about, especially with Watford, he's a guy we followed pretty closely for a while. It's great that he's carved out like a real career, like a legit NFL career. You know, and and really the same with Wells. Um, the two of them, you know, they've started games, they've played. Uh, I, you know, they never had this opportunity that Stinney does this this week. But that it is so nuts. I will never stop looking at these uh, statistics this week of all the schools that have multiple players in the Super Bowl this week, and JMU is you know, right, right at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I just um, you know, not that I really want to root for the Bucks. But but I'm so excited for these guys. And Katie, I mean, for you, even if you only interviewed Aaron once, it's still one of your classmates, basically, right? I, I mean, that has to be so weird. So like, yeah, my classmate is in the Super Bowl. Right? It's so weird. I mean, to, yeah, seeing someone that yeah. like you, you recognize him, like you would recognize him walking around campus and seeing him on the Super I had such a hard time watching him help Tom Brady get up from being knocked over. <laughs> In the championship game, I was like, oh, my gosh, a JMU guy just offered Tom Brady a hand. Like, this is casual yeah. for him. To any of us, we'd meet Tom Brady and be like, I can't form a sentence in front of you. And it's insane. But, of course, he still – it's hard. He plays on a team with Tom Brady, not a Tom Brady fan. Kansas City has Andy <laughs> Reid, and Andy uh, Reid's my guy. It's a hard – it's going to be a hard weekend. Yeah, this one's tough for me. I, I feel like I'm probably in the end going to root for the JMU guy, um, but I'm not going to feel good about it. And and I would much rather enjoy Kansas City winning this game. So. I, I'll clo- yeah, if, no, no. if Tampa wins, I'll close my eyes when Brady's up on stage. I just 
Yeah. I can't do it again. I'll be yeah. waiting for the little moment when I see our guys in the side, you know, getting to kiss the trophy or whatever. Yeah. I would be um, very happy if those guys got a ring, but I am not cheering for Tom Brady. Like it's just, it's like, I just won't do it. And this is my curse. You know, Todd, you know, it's the, the Jamie guys always end up on teams that I not that I'm not like neutral about, except for no. Raven, you know, Packers fine. I can watch Packers, but Cowboys, Washington, now yeah. the Brady's. It's just, it, it turns my stomach. Like I want nothing more than Jamie you guys to succeed in the league, but they just keep landing on teams that I. It's like <laughs> it's immoral for me to root for them. I just I can't I can't do it. Yeah, Katie, the day that Jimmy got drafted by Washington, I I don't know that I've seen Rob more like irrationally despondent oh it was than, than that and his two young boys like who are die hard giants fans yeah. you know were just like cry like they yeah, really like, yeah. didn't know yeah. how to react <laughs> like, I, I still I, remember where i was when i told them it was in the backyard we we're shooting hoops and i was like guys i've got good news and bad news and i said jimmy got drafted and they go oh no the Redskins, no, Washington. <laughs> it's a big yeah. And I think, I mean, what was that, two years ago? So they were, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were 10 and 8. And, and they no. could just tell from the look in my eyes that, <laughs> that the bad thing had happened. I still, I still remember not knowing how to react either. I was down in Harrisonburg, still at my apartment. And I had had a staff report written up since Thursday when the draft started of an outline of Jimmy getting drafted. And then I finally saw it like flash across the TV and I was like, yes. And then I looked over and saw the logo and I was just, no. <laughs> no right. And then the same thing, and then it happened again with Nooch. It was just like back to back. Yeah. Same reaction that, that year too. So. Yeah. I know. We all stayed up and watched that Danucci uh, the very first time when he, when they were here in Washington, not the game that, you know, unfortunately didn't go well. The Eagles game, but I the thought, next, I the thought week it went before, fine for the Eagles. For the Eagles, yes, yes. But the week before, when he played, you know, in that Washington game, and we were all staying up, like hoping that would happen. Oh, yeah. I, I guess we these are the uh, the downside of success here, but we'll we'll all have to uh, swallow our pride and enjoy it. I guess. <laughs> um, on the current JMU football team, it is so strange to me, and I. Rob, I think what I got to imagine what the coach is feeling is just all his players. Um, you know, I've got friends with kids at JMU right now and non-athletes like they just want to, you know, they're all dying for regular school. <laughs> like, and I got to think some of these kids are just wanting to play. Um, and I was just wondering, like in a non-COVID, in the non-COVID category, is there anything you guys are concerned about like what would be the thing you're most concerned about over the next couple weeks leading into the season well i mean they got to replace a lot we're all excited and you know i think most people even though they didn't release a preseason team i think most people are just kind of assuming well if i mean a preseason ranking or poll whatever you want to call it most people are assuming that jamie would be picked to, to repeat but much like we're seeing with the women's basketball team and we'll discuss this later even though they're picked to repeat they need to replace a lot. You know, they've got a stable of running backs um, and, you know, the core of the of the offensive line, but they're replacing a lot on that defense. Uh, mm-hmm. Green already went down with injury. Uh, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. And then if we saw anything from the fall and we see anything from, from basketball, it's like 
you need to prepare for some sort of disruption, be it in the form of having certain players out or maybe even having games move. So it's just, there's still a lot of unknowns. I'm very confident that the running game alone will get them through, you know, most CA play and certainly the out of conference. I'm not particularly worried about that, but come the playoffs, God willing, if they're there and seated and everything, I, mm-hmm. I just don't know. Like who are we even thinking about in terms of, you know, if we had to like fake write the lead for a playoff game right now, I think what would you say? Okay. The running backs, but then beyond that, you wouldn't even know, is this going to be any sort of a passing team? Who's going to be throwing the ball? Who's going to be catching the ball defensively? What are they doing? Like, there's just a lot of unknowns. We, we've come to kind of just really appreciate this. Don't rebuild reload mentality, but it's, it's still something you got to do. So it, you don't know what you don't know, and I have no idea who's going to emerge. I'm fairly confident. I'm, I mean, I'm not even. Feel, I'm, I'm cocky about it. Like I think they're going to roll, <laughs> right? But at the same time, like that's a it's a cocky position to be in to just assume that our backups from last year are going to steamroll conference play. I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, Katie. Anything you're really concerned about, like or I, I thinking say about? Concerned, but this is the first. I think season going into now, obviously, as just a fan that I'm questioning what the defense is going to look like. And that's so weird after, I mean, since it was a rough start my freshman year in the national championship season with their defense, they obviously got better. But since then, they've been like this lights out unit. But you think about the guys that they lost to graduation and, you know, Rondell Carter, John Daka, those are two players that are nearly impossible to replace right away. Then you look in the secondary with Rashad Robinson and Adam Smith, and then you have to add on top of the fact that because of COVID, you lost D'Angelo Amos and Adiba Tarawa to transfer. The defense is going to be interesting. Like, of course, as you guys were talking about the running backs, I mean, there's no doubt that they're going to lead the league in rushing. Again, that's Kurt Signetti's goal. It's going to happen. You still have a fairly strong offensive line. Honestly, I'm not even too worried about the quarterback position, and I know that probably sounds crazy yep. thinking about where this team was about to start spring practice before – or starting spring practice before COVID. That was mm-hmm. the main focus. But now after losing guys like Amos and Atariwa, the defense, I'm curious what it's going to look like. I obviously – I think they'll still be good, obviously. But I'm curious of which guy is going to be the one that steps up and really runs the defense. Now, Katie, I'm right there with you, because particularly with the quarterback thing, because I think we're seeing, based on what we've seen from Kurt Signetti's team, Davis Cheek, I think, was a very good example of a guy who was good and game manager has such a pejorative you know, connotation nowadays. But Signetti proved you could win with just a quarterback who's smart and takes care of the ball, and then he's going to build an excellent team around him. It's not necessarily going to be a quarterback-driven team. If we have the opportunity and one of these guys turns out to be you know, an all-league or all-American type, like, great. But I think Signetti's the type of guy who's going to build a team around that, and he's going to build it with rushing and with defense. Rushing, we're completely confident. Everybody's confident that they can get this done. Um, but again, like, they're missing Carter and Docker are big, but then Green goes down with an injury. You're going to have a couple transfers get in there. So it could be a lot, like you said, your freshman year, the championship season, where the first couple games people are kind of learning the system, and you've got a lot of talent out there on the field, but it might take a couple games or more than that. It took probably half a season to two thirds of a season in that 2016 season for it to really come together. And then they became the the defense that we've all grown to appreciate since then. 
Um, but there's a lot of you got Wayne Davis in the secondary. That's certainly improving. But I, it is just I, I'm ultimately confident that it will be a good unit. But I don't know if it's reasonable to believe it will be as good as it has been the past two or three years. And that combined with some of these other questions, particularly like wide receiver, um, it just it. I guess in some ways it makes it a little more interesting than years past where you just look at the schedule and you go, okay, well, you know, if they lose a CAA game, that's a disappointment. This at least is a little more exciting, but it's also nice to just have the confidence to say this unit is going to take care of business week in and week out. They're also going to be hosting a game on February 20th. So that's also an odd season, Rob. Yeah. 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 That's more about the, like, again, they're just going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. Can they connect on the passes when they need to? And I think the passing game will be a work in progress and, mm. and hopefully start coming into form as the weather warms up. Yeah. I thought Katie, you really nailed it too with the, I mean, the defense is the big thing. It's so weird, Rob, you brought up Davis cheek. I'd forgotten. It's been so long since we talked CAA football. I was like, who the heck is that? And I was like, Oh, he's the Elon quarterback from coaching yeah. Daddy's days down there. Um, yeah, I mean, I always try to keep one of the two deeps from the media guide from the last game of the year before. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I didn't get one from the championship, but I have the last one from the um, semifinal game. And yeah, on defense, they only have nine out of 22 guys coming back Yeah, on the two deep. Yep. So and most of that, you know, that's most of the starters. And even among those, some of them are not going to play the same position on offense. They're only losing six of the 22. And that doesn't even include the four, four horsemen running back situation, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I, it seems to. I think Katie's right that quarterback is almost a non-issue because the offense is going to be probably the leader of this team in the spring, or at least the beginning. And I have no idea. I, I was looking at. I think Wayne Davis and Kelvin Azanama might be the only starters playing the same position that they started at last year, whenever the last season was, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there are other, obviously Mike green is back. There are guys back that were going to play that have played before. Um, but yeah, that's going to be the big, the big question mark. So on the other side, not concerned, but what is the thing you're most looking forward to in this preseason, this weird preseason that none of us are paying attention to the way we usually do. <laughs> I'm so so excited just to finally see who's actually going to be the quarterback because even though they had the quarterback, (laughs) they had the quarterback battle uh, whenever the last spring season was, but everybody knew it was going to be Ben. There was, uh, there wasn't ever a sense. It wasn't going to be Danucci. That was the starting quarterback in my opinion, but I am so. Somebody doesn't spend enough time on message boards because there were a lot of people (laughs) who disagree. No, I, I'm right no. there with you. I thought it was obvious. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Alex was the was the best thing for him and for the program. Like I, I had no doubt in my mind he was the type of guy that was going to step up and that was going to make him better. Um, but there were plenty of the the fringe fans who thought, "Oh no, he's done. He's, he's, he's no, so. no." I I spent enough time just standing there at practice. I'm like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's Ben's job to lose right now. It wasn't like anybody else's job to battle in. It was his to lose it. But I'm I just want to know who's going to get the job i have my suspicions but i'm i'm not they're not confident like ones but (laughs) i don't know i'm gonna put it out here i think game one cole johnson would be the starter but i'm not 100 percent positive in that so rob i'm guessing i'm guessing you're a cole believer as well rob right i 
I'm kind of agnostic. Like I, I don't <laughs> care. Like I usually have a very strong opinion and I usually have, I don't want to say contrarian take, but I tend to root for the underdog. Like I Todd, I don't know if you remember, I was very big on Brian Shore heading into his first year post Fedley where everybody was so down on him. Like, That's Oh, sure. and I was like, this is ridiculous. And if you just looked at the numbers and if you looked at, you know, what he had done in late season relief after Lee got hurt, I was like, you know what? It was every bit as good as Lee's first three or four games. And, and then I was the same way I, I was called kind of a Danucci apologist. And mm-hmm. I, I gladly will accept the fact that I rooted for the guy and I thought he showed a lot of talent. And I think it ultimately, I was, proven to be correct as was Katie and you know a lot of other people who kind of saw the obvious the guy was a very good quarterback in college Mm -hmm. um this one I don't know enough about either like I could get very excited about some random person online who says he's got sources who's (laughs) some guy he's slinging it I don't know they're both probably good I mean going on what we've seen from Carl Johnson he's shown he he was pretty good you know coming in and winning the game in relief Mm -hmm. against Villanova um, another one, Elon was it? Was that he came in relief in Villanova, then won the game against Elon yeah. in the championship year? Um, Gage Maloney's got kind of a different skill set. Uh, I'm fine with either one. I'm most excited to see who's going to step up or, or how anybody's going to step up in terms of the pass rush. Last year, that was great. We we talked. This is the third time we're going to bring him up, but Daka and Carter are really big shoes to fill. We don't need to have guys that are getting, you know, ten or eleven tackles for loss a season, but do we have people who can get after the quarterback? And as we've seen the past four or five years, when JMU gets after the quarterback, you win football games. It's like a story as old as time. If you put mm-hmm. Tom Brady, we're talking about the Super Bowl. Like when the guy has lost, the Eagles and Giants got to him in the Super Bowl, they lose. You know, it, it's not it's not rocket science. If you press the quarterback, particularly um, week in and week out, you're going to win a lot of football games. So. Mm-hmm. I think Maloney and Johnson can both get the job done. I think they've got a tremendous kind of crutch or, or leg up, whatever you want to call it, asset. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you've got a tremendous running game. But for me, it's can can we rush the passer and really create create a lot of pressure to make things easier on a young defensive back on young defensive backs? That's a good point. Yeah, because I, I would say the thing I'm most looking forward to, and I hate kind of hate that this is what I'm looking forward to. Um because we get dinged for this as a fan base and a program sometimes, but I am looking forward to seeing what the transfers have to offer this year. Yeah. Uh, particularly on the defensive side, because I think it's going to be so important. And we know we've got the Minnesota transfer, the temple transfer, uh, the UMass transfer. I mean, there's the UNC transfer. I mean, there's a bunch of guys who are probably going to have chances to play that I've never seen before. And we need some of them to work out. Um, you know, and the same goes for the freshman and sophomore class that I may not be as familiar with uh, that's been with JMU, but it's just a weird year. In the past, I've always been like, oh, great. If one of the transfers works, great. Right. I mean, think about a guy like Juwan Hamilton. When he came, it was like, well, I hope it's good. But if he doesn't work, like we have four other guys, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was never like, oh, this is going to be the thing that puts us over the top. And occasionally you've been wrong. Right. I mean, you hit on a. um you know, we've had some receivers come through <laughs> that have been enormously. That Pope guy was okay. Yeah, yeah, just pretty good, right? Yeah, right. I mean, we've had a, a little group, um, yeah, that have been really, really helpful. But even those felt a little bit like luxuries. They weren't like we really need one of these defensive lineman transfers to hit this year. 
you know, yeah, in a big like, way. we need one of the corners to play and play well, not like, I hope they work out. So that'll just be interesting to see. Um, speaking of uh, crazy conspiracy theories on the quarterback position, um, I wanted to ask you guys, <laughs> this, we have uh, Katie, our, our friend, Michael, uh, Michael Tuklutch, Michael Evangelista, who is nobody studies like whatever photographs that JMU puts out more than he does. I, I do I, not doubt it. I <laughs> think there were times last season where I was like, you know what? I, he can do my job. I'll let him handle it. I'll just like take, uh, take note of his Twitter and then make sure I'm like match it up with my articles. <laughs> yeah. I wondered, I wondered this week, he did not say anything this week, but there was a picture JMU put out one of those little like shots from practice you know, like the guys are really excited to be back kind of thing. And there was four or five pictures. And one of them was a shot of Gage, you know, very clearly throwing left-handed. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) you know, I I need to get the red string out for this one. Um, But I was wondering, okay, so as a funny one here, this is going to be the craziest season we've ever seen. I have no idea what's going to happen. They're supposed to play eight games. I have to think they're going to win the first two of them by 50 points each in all likelihood, regardless of who's on the field. After that, I have no idea what to make of this season. Um, I don't know who's going to be relevant nationally or in the CAA. Um, And I'm just wondering, what is the most questionable bit of fan behavior or like crazy thinking that you guys are looking forward to this season? (laughs) Well, I I think this is a year that Jamie fans go full-on conspiracy theorist. Unfortunately, it's permeated our culture. I don't think JMU fan base is immune from this. And I think we are going to see some absolutely insane takes on the quarterback job. Oh, oh, okay. We're going to see all sorts of just, just, you know, batshit crazy ideas about the number one guy actually being number two because they're saving for the fall and the fall. Oh, unexpected. Like I think we're going to see bonkers stuff that makes you like, Anderson Cooper eats babies type things when, when judging the quarterback competition. And then the other thing, I also think we're going to see the exact same sort of craziness uh-huh. with regard to attendance. E- even though it's got uh-huh. nothing to do with the schools, I, I think we're mere hours away or maybe we're just behind maybe it's already happened but i'm sure people are going to start to claim that the ncaa is biased in favor of north dakota state because they can have more fans in the stadium than jmu <laughs> and even though it's got nothing to do with the ncaa no, or the i think schools, that's when people start saying that the ncaa actually called each, the governor of north dakota and ralph yes. northam and said hey you need to do this because it needs yes, to play right. out the <laughs> jmu fans conspiracy yeah this is great no, so oh, I, I love it. It's it's going to be like new levels of crazy. You throw in like quarterback controversy versus people being cooped up in their house with nothing better to do than play on the internet for ten months, and then the spring. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is going to be wild. Buckle up. No, I, I'm going to start mine now. Um, Governor Ralph Northam is actually a North Dakota State fan. Yes. And- <laughs> He's yeah. trying to do anything in his power to make sure that JMU does not challenge them this season. That's it. He's one of the VMI uh, people who tried to beat up the Duke dog. We're starting yeah. that now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, and if Jamie's lucky enough to get to Frisco, uh-huh. there's going to be all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, you already have the lunatics from <laughs> North Dakota State who like try to brag about how 
the waitresses at the restaurants really like them and stuff like that. <laughs> but we're going to yes. see all sorts of just insane stuff about them trying to the, the powers that be that the mayor of Frisco trying to rig the the bids and the seating to get you know the right teams there for maximum at whatever the bars are. So this well, is, this gonna is also really going to be here. yeah. Rob, mine is the playoff speculation and raging is going to be so out of control. If we are fortunate, I mean, I hope we can get to the point where we're two weeks away from selection, whatever day it is this year, and we can all argue about this legitimately. But I, I have started, and it's it actually will be fun to watch because there is a there are many scenarios this year because every team is playing these wild schedules. Like JMU could be eight and zero and have played no team with a winning record this year. Yeah. Like it, it's not even like that's not even like mildly inconceivable. <laughs> like that could absolutely happen. No, it's and, yeah, very easy. Right. And so that could happen for tons of other teams too, right? Um JMU could be seven and one, and the CAA North has a seven and one team, and who's the champion? Right. Who gets the and there's not enough room for an like there's only gonna be 16 teams this year. I, I don't know. I just um the craziness of the playoff. And then my other favorite thing with all of this is going on with the backdrop of conference realignment and the new FCS conference is going on. And I just can't wait for like playoff conspiracy theories versus like realignment conspiracy theories to all hit at the same time as the NFL draft. When some FCS players may or may not be continuing with their seasons. (laughs) Like, Oh, it's going to be this could be a real doozy yeah, in the spring. And, the, and then GameStop, the whole it'll all be tied together. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Yes, yes. It's all it's all related. Come it's on, all related. Um, just yeah, well, it's just well, weird, they don't, it, that's the weird thing about college college football in general. It's one of the beauties of it, but also one of the most frustrating things is it's kind of it's open for interpretation. And it's fun to sit around <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon and argue about, you know, my school's conference is better than your school's conference. Um you know, you hear that a lot, like SEC versus the Big Ten. Well, that's really fun. It's much harder, the FCS, when realistically most of us can't watch the other conferences play. You need to go through a lot of effort to really, you know, watch enough of any conference to come up with a really informed opinion. So it's just, it's 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 like Twitter in real life. Like it's 50 <laughs> times worse than the FBS. Because even people like the three of us who pay attention more than the average fan, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like we can reasonably make an opinion on the CAA because we watch all the teams and maybe a couple of the, the big games that you can happen to catch from wherever you are in the country from another conference. But it's not like you can just tune in and watch highlights even. So you're just making it up and arguing over pride. And that's very fun in like a tailgate setting or having, having a drink at a bar with a friend. It's not super fun when it's done almost exclusively over Twitter and it's just, it's counterproductive, but it's going to be, I think exponentially better or worse, depending on your opinion of how much you enjoy this stuff uh, this year, because I think it's going to be even harder to see other teams play. Oh, it's going to be a mess. I can confidently say I do not know a single. I could not name a single player in the Southland Conference right now. No, like, no. like I don't. I have no idea. So, um, there have been years in the past where I've been more ready for this, but yeah, this is going to be some fun stuff. Uh, Katie and Rob, 
we got to move to the fun. I can't believe something happened to me this weekend that has not happened. Katie, I don't know if this has happened in your JMU fan career, but for me, it hasn't happened in a good 10 years, Rob. Um, I got a te- I got two texts this weekend in advance of a JMU men's basketball game. Like with genuine excitement over the fact that there was a JMU men's regular season, at least men's basketball game about to take place. Mm -hmm. Like I can't tell you in the last, like, and not mocking cynical joking, you know, I've had tons of texts about, Oh, the men are going to blow a 20 point lead and lose by 10 again tonight, like (laughs) over the years. But this was kind of exciting. And then they somehow won another game. I, I mean, what is going on here? <laughs> is this something like, are, can we like start to be a little bit hopeful about the progress of the men's basketball program? I, I, I mean, think we, we definitely can. Like we don't need to overdo it. It's not like they're beating, <laughs> they're not beating Gonzaga and Baylor. Right. But, and Drexel is, isn't a terrific team, but pretty much every team in the league was picked to finish above JMU. So any win they have, we can be proud of and we can be excited about and we can see it as like, Hey, you know what? This team is exceeding the expectations that universally, like anybody who's paying attention had for it. And that's good enough. Like everybody's like, Oh, you know, do we need, is this team going to compete? They might, they might not, but like we have reason to believe that they can actually be a competitive CAA team. I really think, and, and people might call me, a bit of a homer or or just kind of a, a fool or something. But I think the rest of the CAA should be scared that if JMU commits to hoops like it has in pretty much every other program, I think Jamie's going to be the dominant force in this league. And as much as I love Matt Brady, that was uh, not a good marriage. Like as soon as the marriage thing went down, I don't think the school is fully behind him. I think he always was kind of, coaching with his eye on the door. Like it was not a good fit. The Lou Rowe thing was the Lou Rowe thing. It was, they seem to be all in with the facilities, with Byington. And I think if they really commit, like in a weird year, they might turn some heads and that's great. If they, if they compete for the championship and if they win it and go terrific, I'm not as excited about that as I am about the fact that already they just seem to be turning the corner, building an identity, playing with some passion, playing good defense. They seem very bought into the coach in ways that I have not seen in decades as a JMU fan. It's just, it's exciting. It's fun. Like most of the past two decades watching JMU games, I just, I don't enjoy them. Like I hold on. I'm like, oh my (laughs) gosh, can they defy the odds, defy my expectations and not blow it tonight or or win the 17 CAA tournament? You know, there's like weird things. The game yesterday was like kind of exciting. I didn't have a pit in my stomach. I was like, oh, cool. You know, they've got a lead. And you had Strickland stepped up. Like they just played good, solid basketball. So we don't need to get ahead of ourselves and make it out like, oh my gosh, they're going to win the championship this year. But I think more importantly, they're starting to turn the corner and prove that they're a program that's worthy of all of our support. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Katie, we we love uh, Rob's favorite JMU player ever is Lou Rowe. Yeah. And we are just have the utmost respect um, for him as a player, as a JMU alum, as just you know a person. 
Um, but I, you know, that had to be like, I, I just can't, I, you know, your time in school, like they were never really legitimate <laughs> no. contenders, right? <laughs> like, no, they weren't. I think going into it, obviously having interviewed, uh, Cotro yeah. several times, a few times, just even in a one-on-one sit down set, setting, he is such a great guy. And JMU wanted that to work. They wanted Luro, the coach, to work at JMU because he was a JMU guy, a JMU product. Luro wanted it to work, but it yeah. just didn't. And it, it didn't work. It, I don't know if it didn't work yeah. as him as a coach because he could recruit. There was no doubt about that. It was once he had those recruits at the school, could he put the pieces together and make them a good team? And it just kept falling short. And now it seems that they finally have that coaching staff that obviously it's still early and it's a weird season, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be a step in the right direction compared to where it was just a year ago. That's what it is for me. They look better now than when the season started, like markedly better, right? I mean, they just, in every aspect, they are playing together as a team. I mean, that game a couple of games ago, Rob, that we all got, I mean, this was fun getting a couple of massing games here too. But they're, I mean, they're in it like the player, you know, and I know a lot of teams in a weird year without or with very minimal fans, it is kind of up to the team to produce their own energy in all of these games. And this team has bought it. I mean, you could just see them playing that way. It's and not to mention it, we, we talked about this. It's got to be so fun for Matt Lewis right now to be on this team, uh, you know, it's after what, Jacobs. Yeah, Zach, Zach Jacobs, these guys to be playing yeah. a team where everyone around them seems to understand. I don't even mean to say their role, but just like the team will all be better off if the team wins. And here's the best way I can contribute to that. You know, I, I just it's so fun to watch these guys um, get to play with a team that seems to have a real idea of what they want to do. Right. I mean, they might miss the shot at the end of the possession. Or the other team might make a basket, um, you know, over a outstretched hand or something, but they really seem to have an idea of what they want to do on a given at a given point in the game, and I, that's <laughs> that's a big step in the right direction. That can also stop the bleeding. You yes, know, like if it, you know, a couple times yesterday they started to give up points, and it's like Lou Rowe, like Katie. I echo everything you said. Great guy, terrific ambassador of the school, just. Uh, the one, the guy you want to do well because he's such a terrific individual. But like little things, like the guy never used his timeouts, just right. basic stuff. So you could never resettle. So when the wheels started to come off and the team started to surrender a lead, it just went out. It just snowballed. And like mm-hmm. you can see that, just coaching does make a difference. Um, mm-hmm. So it's nice. I also, Todd, you and I have talked at length about how happy you are for Matt Lewis and he stuck it out. I might even almost be more happy for Zach Jacobs. Lewis, you know, it's 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 very nice to see him have success. But the guy is all he's already what top three JMU score ever? Was he number two? Yeah. Yeah, he's like right he, in the top. Yeah. He's had I mean, an amazing he, career. Jacobs, yeah. though, is like a guy who I think has always had the potential to be a real contributor. He was never gonna be a huge star, but he contributed and he kind of struggled to find a fit and he was there. And this year he's just kind of finding his role as a glue guy, as a senior. And I think that's probably what he was destined to do. And I mean that as the biggest compliment I can give somebody like mm-hmm. it, you and I were texting the other day. He got huge in the offseason. Yeah, he hit He's the weight room this year. Yeah. Like, 
he came in the past two games. He's given really quality minutes and, you know, five or six rebounds here and a couple points. Like, he's just a real spark. And I'm really excited for him. Somebody like that who's kind of a role player in the best sense of the word to see him have some success as a senior to me is, is maybe more gratifying than seeing the guy in Matt Lewis, who's the double figure scorer from day one. So yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, it is fun and I hope everybody's enjoying this. We should start tuning in a little bit, probably as soon as we say this, they'll start losing again, but I, I I'm, there were some, these are real signs of hope in the last couple of weeks from this program. And maybe this season is so weird, just like Katie just said, it, it's so hard to know what is real and what's not. Um, one but thing as to Rob, add, we, yeah. Go one ahead, thing Katie. to add to yeah. the men's team that I've been impressed with, and it kind of goes with the snowballing that we were talking about with when they started giving up a lead, they were so prone to go on losing skids last season. If they lost one, it was almost guaranteed that they were going to lose two to three more before they won a game. They have only lost back-to-back games once this season. Of course, it helps early in the season when you have some of those games where you're like, okay, I didn't know that was a school, but good luck. Have fun playing them. Um, But I think it's really saying something that now getting into CAA play, they're still not dropping back-to-back games to teams that were predicted to finish ahead of them in the standings. And I think that's really showing the promise that they have. Yeah, it, it, it is. That's a good point. Yeah. Even Rob. more so because they're all guys that are still learning to play with each other, which is, it, it just, I'm so excited about the future of this program. I almost want to say like this year for me is kind of gravy. I, I wasn't expecting the program to turn around in one year. Again, if they win terrific, I will be as happy as anybody. And if we're allowed to, I will road trip wherever I go see them play. But I really am just excited about the future of this program for all those reasons you guys have stated. Like they're doing the things that successful programs do to win basketball games. They bounce back from losses. They can recover like in game. They can deal with adversity. You've got young guys stepping up. You've got, you know, different guys um, carrying the load different nights, a very balanced attack yesterday. It's, it's very encouraging, much more so than if you just had a player, a uh, bad example, but like this isn't a situation where you've got like a John Morant type player coming in and just steamrolling through a mid-major league. There are real signs to think that we're, we're turning the ship around and whether they you know finish top four or not this year isn't really the point. It's are, are we laying the groundwork for ultimately being the successful program that Jamie has not been really since, you know, the mid to early nineties. Yeah. And I should say, Katie, I know these are your people too, but um, in this COVID year, and the one thing I'm looking forward to with football, a huge shout out to the broadcast team, both the men's and women's game, the JMU team. This has been, I, I don't know. They're it for me, right? That's my connection to the school, right? I mean, there's no other way of going there and participating in these games in any way. So the, Kurt Dudley and company, Ali Barefoot doing the like in the stands with the mask, crazy stuff. I could, I just really, I cannot yeah, say enough really, positive things about Kurt Dudley and Ali Barefoot. Yeah. I love them yeah. both so much. Yeah. Ali's had some, she had some kick ass pants this week, by the way. Sorry. That's a second, <laughs> secondary thing, but I don't know. Um, She'll appreciate the fashion no, she, comment. Okay. Yeah. But no, I, I really am appreciating that. And I know it's got to be weird because, and Kurt keeps trying to bring her into the broadcast more because there's nobody else there. Like it's just them, <laughs> you know, like 
they do the one shot a game where they go to the four fans that are, you know, there's like 200 fans in the building, but it's mostly friends and family in the suites, I'm sure. Um, Cause you don't see them when they pan back too much. Um, they did have the pep band yesterday uh, for the first time this season. So that's a good positive sign. Um, but I just, I really appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to Kurt and company for football. You know, I mean, I hope we get to see them, hear them on TV because that they've never been more important than this weird season. <laughs> Normally I kind of am like, eh, okay, like I'm watching the game and I'm happy to watch the pep band or whatever else is going on. But yeah. I'm glad to hear you say, Katie, that you appreciate them as well. So that's oh, no, good. They're, they're great. Obviously, yeah, I've known them for a couple, yeah. several years now. I've had classes with Allie. Kurt was a professor of mine, and he liked to give me a hard time just because he knew me. But they're both great people, and they're really good at what they do. That's awesome. All right. Good to hear. So on the other side of this coin, I'm not worried, but do either of you, Rob, is there anything particular to be worried about, about the women's team other than the things we've harped on? Katie, I, I don't know how much we've just said they are playing so many young players right now and two or, you know, Kiki's a sophomore, but the other, you could argue the next two best players are freshmen. Um, and I think there's just going to be this develop. They split another series this weekend. They seem to be splitting these all of these series. Like you said about the men's team, the impressive thing is that they haven't been losing back-to-back games. They've been, you know, finding a way to beat the teams, even those considered ahead of them. Uh, the women's team seems to win on Saturday, and then they struggle to hold it together on Sunday. And to me, Rob, it's the same thing we've been talking about all year. It's just got to be immaturity and lack of time to gel a little bit. No? Oh, 100%. Uh, I am okay. And we, I, we might have talked about this last week. This was really neat that the women were picked to win kind of going away this year. But it, we said it before, it still was kind of a rebuilding year. You know, you replaced Kamaya and, and uh, Cooper Williams. It's, it's a, that's a long road to go. And so this is an unusual situation with the back-to-backs. The one thing that does concern me is if you want to win – CAA tournament play, you got to learn to deal with it. There's never going to be a better season to prepare you for conference tournaments than -hmm. this weird back-to-back situation. So Mm -hmm. this in many ways is an opportunity. They've got a chance for the next month and a half to learn how to win these back-to-backs. These Can can you get your energy back up? Can you get your emotions back in check and come back out and win again next day? Um, Mm -hmm. They have not been able to do that. It's been a big problem. I chalk it up to immaturity. I think they will get, it's not I don't think this is any sort of like, oh my gosh, you know, Coach O isn't the guy to get done. Far from it. No. I, I think he's a great coach. I think he's going to have tremendous success. I say that fully acknowledging our bias because he's yes. a coach of ours. But I sincerely believe it. Um, if I didn't, I wouldn't say it, but I would just avoid the topic because I'm a coward. Um, <laughs> but I, I think this is just immaturity. I, I think you, you nailed it. You've got your best player who's a sophomore. She's very talented. Um you just, you got to learn to grow through this. It's a tough season. It's a tough year. It's disappointing. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a, kind of bummed out about it, but right. I don't think this is any sort of like, oh my gosh, that the tides are turning with the program, particularly given um, since we've been online or since we've been recording, I think I just saw on Twitter that Eva Hodgins from William Mary entered the transfer portal. So 
<laughs> so there you go. There you go. So, so there are bigger problems to have right now. She was she was the presumptive um, CA player of the year before she opted out. But yeah, and this weekend maturity. Yeah, they won by fourteen on Saturday. Lost a tight one on Sunday. I, well, they were the other thing is like you you can also spin it like they came out really flat and then fell down, just fell apart in the second quarter, but then stormed back and almost won. Would they lose by two? Um, mm-hmm. So they've got the talent, they've got the ability. It's just, I think it's just mental. Yeah, yeah, Katie. I don't know if you had anything additional in the women's program. We're just kind of following from afar this year more than we usually are. And we talked to Coach O before the season, and he was—you could tell—he was nervous about <laughs> about how talented. You know, he was excited about how talented his freshmen were, but he's also nervous about what that meant to them, especially on the defensive end of the floor, right? Yeah, I had listened to that podcast and you could tell that he was like, listen, he was trying to say it without (laughs) saying it, but like, listen, everybody, like, I'm not going to promise that we're going to be only lose a few games this year. Like it may happen. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I wouldn't be worried about this program at all, especially when you have a coach like Coach O. I mean, if there's a coach you want leading a young team, it's him. Uh, And I think Mm -hmm. next year, honestly, I'm looking forward to next year with them where it's more hopefully a regular season kind of plays out the same way because even you have to think about it. They lost coach O for a little bit because of his COVID exposure or whatever it was. And he had to step away from the team for a couple weeks and that you never know how much that impacts a team, especially when there are a lot of freshmen playing, but this team, yeah, they're going to bounce back once they get the experience and I mean, give them two or three years. It's going to be a fun team to watch when they're all seniors. Yeah. I think that's, that's absolutely right. I think next year and the year after, when you got Kiki's Kiki's an upperclassman, that's when you really need to be excited. And and to the other side, you need to be worried if they're not reaching the tournament next year and the year after. That's when it's like, okay, we, we got to fix something. But right now, it's a weird year. They're still very good. They're still going to be in the mix for the CA CA title. Um, but people need to pump the brakes in terms of actually panicking or thinking that something's wrong with the program. It's not. There's just, it's just young players struggling in an odd year. Well, and you got this weird, yeah. I mean, Delaware's nine and one because they played, I mean, they played, they played three more games than anybody else in the yeah. conference. Like, it's so weird to, yeah, I don't even, yeah, it's definitely, and on the freshman angle, I, I don't mean to keep making excuses, but the COVID thing affects your conditioning as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not just that individual players may or may not have had to deal with COVID, but that just the amount of time these teams have had together to work out. And and I just keep seeing that at the end of the games, this team seems to lose a little energy on that defensive end. And yeah, I hope they can keep playing through it right now. And honestly, with They're COVID, good sh- with COVID too, I, I think it's hard for any freshman in a normal year to kind of get into that routine and rhythm of being a college athlete. But then you throw in COVID where all of a sudden maybe you have to miss some training and practices because of it. And it's, I think they definitely haven't had the easiest time getting into that rhythm, which can easily play into how well they're performing on the court. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, for sure. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're needless to say, we're still optimistic about both programs. Um, and I just can't believe it, Rob. It's fun to uh, have people. I, I forget Katie, it, it must seem like forever for you, but it, it just, I forget how basketball moves the needle at this school more than people realize, at least among older alumni. Yeah. And it's so, I always forget that. 
And I was reminded briefly in 2013 and have not had that again. And right now everybody's at home and I guess they have time to pay attention a little bit. So I'm just, I'm hopeful the men's team can keep making progress. It is funny though. how like so many JMU fans seem to over the past, like two to three weeks have begrudgingly like given in and be like, damn it. I got to pay for flow sports. Yes, yes. People seem so ready to just take this year off. And now everybody's like, oh, they got me. I'm in. Rob, we've had these discussions. <laughs> yes, yes. I, 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 we were trying to hold out till football, but yeah, I'm, I'm in now. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so we've got some fun overtime things tonight. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. Um, Dave Butts, as always, uh, sent us a good one. Rob, I think he was thinking because tomorrow is Groundhog Day. Yes. Um, so he had asked us best Bill Murray performance. I'm, I'm guessing with, a. in fact, of course, if this is 2020, 2021, so every day is Groundhog Day. <laughs> Actually, it was probably better for him because he got to do things and go out to restaurants in Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, so we won't do Bill Murray, but I, I will start. We have three quick we'll ones. Bill, we'll do Bill Murray another night. I think yeah. that might be kind of That's- highlighting the, uh, age gap between us and our guests that we're really yeah. old yeah. right yeah yes. I, not, I, I don't watch a lot of bill murray movies i love bill murray i just don't yeah a lot of his movies <laughs> were a little bit before my time yeah we we could do a whole like we situation where it's like we name things that were popular when we were in college and has katie ever heard of them you know yeah, but, 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 but many of the bill murray movies we chosen probably were to her like james dean movies were to us when we were in college. <laughs> So. Yeah, but it could go the other way too, Rob. We would not even know how to keep up. On- yeah, my dad put on stripes a couple. Well, it's probably a couple months ago. It was like on during a Tennessee game, and he was flipping back and forth, and he was laughing so much. And I was sitting there confused. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on right now. It's very understandable. It's not a good Todd, movie to just jump into halfway know, Katie, through. Katie, this might be Greek to you, but somebody tweeted something about. I think it was like the 33 years ago this week, the Wonder Years premiered. And they said it was the equivalent in terms of time back to where it was in the 60s of 2001 to today's. And that made me want to throw up. I don't even. Yeah, we're just ancient, Rob. It just, yeah. I thought I thought of like, because the Wonder Years was like, what, the 60s and Vietnam War? And I'm like, 2001, yeah. that was like three days ago. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope, not <laughs> okay, at all. Okay, so on that, I'm sure that we all have. I don't know who sent these in tonight, but I'm sure we all have one drinking game from college that we still, well, either secretly or not so secretly, still like to play. Um, Rob, I'll give you the floor on this one. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm i not a huge drinking game guy because I'm old, but um, I did find myself in a situation, I think, last spring mm-hmm. um, prior to COVID when we were still hanging out, where I ended up playing asshole with a bunch of... Um, <laughs> Old parents, I think we put the kids in front of whatever, like the Minions movie or something, and played asshole, and it was really fun. I, I had a, I had a good time. It was a nice night. So, I can't remember how to play, Rob. Oh, I couldn't either. We definitely we definitely <laughs> had our phones out. The rules. We definitely had oh. our phones out and everything, but it got fun. It got a little <laughs> little heated in a good way. Of at one point, I think it was like all the ladies were in the power positions, and they definitely let us have it. Um, but no, it's good time. Like that—that's more my style. I'm not—I was never a huge beer pong guy or anything else. Like, I like the sitting around the table games where you can just kind of talk trash and have fun. So, 
Katie, do you have any of these? Um, it depends on the mood I'm in. If I'm in the okay. kind of hang out with my friends and relax, it's Kings. I'm playing that. No. And, but mm-hmm. if I want to get super competitive to the point that I'm probably going to get kicked out of wherever I'm hanging out, Flip Cup <laughs> all the way. Okay. I, yeah, I, I will trash talk anybody in Flip Cup and I will back up what I say with how I perform in that game. <laughs> I love it. I love I'm it. I'm very confident That's... in my flip cup abilities. Excellent. Someday we'll have a uh, JMU sports blog um, crew flip cup game here. Yeah. What <laughs> back, are you, back when we, yeah. when you get one? Um, mine is just, I, I wrote down asshole, Rob. That's what I really wanted to play. Yeah. And then I realized I couldn't remember the rules. So I, I have played beer pong and Katie, you'll, you might appreciate this. I have been amazed by how nobody plays. I play some of my friends' children built a beer pong table for their parents for this for their Christmas present this year. And um we had this big discussion about it. And the kids play they play with water in the cup and they drink their own beer. So it's actually like semi-COVID friendly. Oh yeah, it's like, it's it's much safer now. Yeah, I, it's much, much I safer, yes. Not, m- most of yeah. my friends wouldn't play beer pong with me in general because while I'm great at flip cup, I cannot play beer pong to save my life. Okay. Um, okay. But if they were to, I, I've been around some parties at JMU where, yeah, I don't want to be drinking beer out of the cups that they're playing beer pong with. No. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so disgusting. Yeah. And then the ball bouncing around on the floor. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I've seen the floor of many of these I like houses that yes. these parties are on, and definitely not if the ball yes. touches the okay, floor. We, we lived in one. We yeah. lived in one. Yeah. It was no. just, um, and this was oh, if there's one good thing that will come from COVID, it is. I don't want to say killing beer pong because people will destroy me if I advocate for that. But maybe refining it to a more sanitary version of the game. Yeah, there you go. Yes. See, fl- um, flip cup. You can socially distance. Have everybody standing six feet away. Oh, you yeah. have your own cup. It's great. Yeah, you got your own cup. You pour your own beer into it. There's mm-hmm. nothing. There's no foreign object going into it that you then are sharing with everybody else. Yeah, much better. For any college totally student listening to this, normalize yes. playing flip cup more at parties than beer pong. And thought about this down at the Bryce Base area. I'm going to have to uh, <laughs> socially distance flip cup. Also, yeah. more people can play at once versus mm-hmm. everybody sitting around watching four people play beer pong. Oh, I love and that. And it's faster it, for sure. Rotate faster. people oh, more that's often. True. Much better. No, I, much much more of a party game. Beer pong, I think, is actually a party killing game. <laughs> yeah, around waiting for next. And it's and not. I have, like competitiveness, and beer pong is just never that competitive. Where you're trash shocking people. Oh well, well, yeah. our, our house would have said different in, <laughs> in the nineties. But, but no, I'm with you. I, I think it's it's just it's more social. The point of drinking games is is to have fun and have a good time. And I think having. You know, two teams of five play play flip cup is way more fun. So yeah, okay. So this is an easy one for well, I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna mess it up. Best French fries you've ever had. This can be Rob. I was gonna say you can make this a fast food question, but I think it was posed to us as best fast food French fries or just best French fries from anywhere. I think this one actually came from uh, Sarah from Jamie Swag. So oh, yeah, nice. Um, yeah. Katie, you can go. I got to think about this one. This is hard. I've I've had, I've like, you just, you have to get French fries. I'm a big chicken tender kind of person when I go to restaurants. Uh, So you have to get French fries with those. So Mm -hmm. I've had so many. Yeah. 
This is a hard one. Maybe yeah. I, I'm going to say Calhoun's in Knoxville, Tennessee, but I don't know if I'm, they have such good chicken tenders that I don't know if I'm confusing the chicken tenders being so good with their French fries also being so good. But I, <laughs> that sounds like a good answer though. Yeah. Candy, this is the second time you've been on the podcast and the second time you've talked about chicken tenders. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm the biggest chicken tenders like fan. This is, this, this is, this is your, I eat like a, I eat like a five-year-old child. I really do. But there is also a pizza place in my town that has good French fries, really good curly fries, which I will go all the way saying they're yeah. the best kind of fries. I like curly fries a lot too. Yeah. They're so good. I'm big. I, I, this, have you guys ever been to the spotted pig in New York? It, it was this really cool like gastro pub and then it became like ground zero for the me too movement. The owner was a complete creep. It's terrible. And I think it just closed down forever, but they had the best burger and fries. It was just this, this massive thing of almost like um really, really thin, almost like the onion crisps, not onion fries. Mm-hmm. It was, they were amazing. So those are just phenomenal fries. Good. And then also um, I'm not trying to sound like, Ooh, let me choose a random like foreign place. But when we were in Valencia, Spain, the boys and I, we were there, my whole family was there a couple of years ago. And there's this like chain there. We just go get these massive paper cones of fries. And I understand this is a bigger deal, like in Belgium. Or well, you've told me about this. Yeah. I, I know like Spain, you don't think of like, Oh, French fries, but just, so I'm saying in general places where you just get the big paper cone where they just take like wax paper and roll it up and fill it with French fries and eat little sauces. And then those little kind of like not sporks, but like, the tiny stabber forks, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. We do it where you can just share it, where you get like a massive, like one pound thing. Like, so I'm just a big fan of the takeaway walking cone of fries. Ah, that, I'm I actually like that. changing I, my, not, yeah, I'm changing my answer. I don't know why okay. New York city made me think of my, that actual best place Good. with for French fries mm-hmm. because it's Charleston, South Carolina at a restaurant uh, called the tattooed moose. Has the best French fries ever. They're like cooked in, I think, duck fat is their thing uh-huh. with like this garlic aioli. And they're Ooh. really big on their French fries and their sandwiches. And that may have been like the best sandwich and French fry I have ever had. Nice. I will, I'm, I'm going to Folly Beach um, at the end of March. I will need to check that out. The, ta- yes. the tattooed moose looks like an absolute dive bar that bad things would happen outside of, but just trust it, go in best food <laughs> i love yeah, it i will add that to my list that's awesome i well mine is really random the best french fry i've ever had in my life and this is so weird because um as an east coast kid who grew up going to all of the ballparks and being severely disappointed by <gasps> everything on offer i know where you're going yeah san francisco the where the giants play i don't know what it's called now pack bell or at and t they do this garlic fry thing, and I was not aware. I went as a guest of a sort of a friend of a friend of one of the women who sold, you know, season ticket plans for the Giants. So we went as kind of like a. It wasn't really like to go catch a game. It was almost more of like we're going to go with our friend, and we're going to. It's awesome. We'll get to go on this experience. But I wanted to do a lap of the park because I'd heard so much about that particular park and then once i got there i was like this is the best american stadium 
anywhere. There's no doubt. In my mind, this is my number one American stadium. And I would go to any game there at any time. And I was like, I got to just walk around because we were down like near the bullpen doing this cool. I mean, it was awesome, but I didn't really care about the Giants and whoever they were playing, like whatever random game was going on. And uh, we walked around and I was like, I'm going to get some fries. <laughs> and I got these garlic fries that were just unbelievable. Like I was like, what is, what happened? Why am I here? Right? I mean, I'm sure they were $12 or something, but it, that is a. Uh, it's so weird. And of course, San Francisco and to some extent Seattle, but the Giants have a reputation and they've clearly earned it for making their ballpark food something that no Nationals Aramark concessions person has ever seen in their life. So yeah, um, that's mine, Rob. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, garlic yeah. fries at Pac Bell, that's bucket list stuff for me. <laughs> yeah. I completely, I, mean, I completely agree. I've been and, outside the stadium. I've never been to a game there. I've been around, but that's, that's and you amazing. know that park. Let's just say they have a um, they have a casual attitude towards um, substance use Everything, at that park yes. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if that precedes your fry consumption, good for you. Um, yeah. And then the last one I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you guys will know this on the spot, but I was curious, and I thought we should do this one, Rob. You said it might be kind of boring, but Katie's such a hockey person. I thought this might be funny uh, or cool to think about. Is what is your favorite? Um, pro sports uniform in this, you know, I, I guess we were thinking of it in U.S. terms. I mean, it could be Canadian, but you, the our pro sports league, major the like, major sports teams. Yeah, like do you? I mean, do you have one or two that really stand out to you? As well, being I guess your... just before we do this, the reason I came up with this is I really like the NBA, and I'm very pro in terms of college. Like, get crazy with the uniforms, do whatever you want, you know. Okay, boomer, stop yelling about the, the different <laughs> uniforms. But I'm having a difficult time with the NBA. Like, I tuned into games now, and I can't tell. Like, I watched the Lakers game the other night. They were wearing blue, and <laughs> it's just crazy. And, like, I the said, Nets were wearing those sky blue, like actual clouds on the jerseys things clouds. last night. <laughs> I don't get it. My kids have an opinion on every uniform. They think they're the greatest. All the ne- like more neon, the better. And I don't, I don't care about that. Like I think it's great to do alternative uniforms. I love the NHL, the new alternative. I love the new Caps um, jerseys. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't understand what's going on with the NBA just choosing any random color they want and rolling <laughs> uniform out there. Like I'm fine if the Lakers want to get 15 million different shades of purple great i don't like the celtics they wore the other night with the stripes on the side i hate them but i'm okay with it because at least i know it's a celtics but there's the random like why the hell are the heat wearing pink and stuff like that i don't get yeah. <laughs> but there are some really really good ones in the nba as well these city uniforms are awesome like there's Old nothing good about the wizards yeah. last night was amazing oh, yeah. But some of the uniforms are great. I love those yes. gray unis. I love a lot of the, the Golden State uniforms. The uh, Dallas has a couple of really good ones. So I just started thinking like there's a lot of really awesome uniforms. And then hockey speaks for itself. The sweaters are amazing. So that that's where my mind was. I just it came from like a bad place of the old man being like, "What the hell is going on? I can't tell who's who in the NBA." But also recognizing there's a lot of really cool innovations with the uniforms going on. Cool. Uh, yeah, Katie, do you? I mean, you're a Blackhawks fan, so. I mean, I know you have opinions on this. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a really cool jersey. I actually, I went with the top three that did not include Chicago's. Um, Okay. Big fan of 
black hockey jerseys. So I love when the Flyers, and I wore them last night, I think, they're black jerseys that have the orange stripe at the bottom. I think those are just really clean, and I like the look of that. Dallas put out a blackout reverse retro this year where it's all black with neon green, but it's almost like really thin piping to it. It's not There's not a lot of green on it, and that, that one's really cool. But then, honestly, I think one of my favorite NHL jerseys will be will always be the reverse retro that Arizona has this year with the old coyote. And I just think that is so cool. And it's purple, which is always nice. Um, But probably Arizona's. I love the old coyote logo. I haven't seen that. Now I need to look this up. I'm like, all right. It's really cool. It has like cacti along the bottom too with like the Arizona desert. It's, it's a really cool Jersey. I've been enjoying that the Canucks have been wearing the old, the black with the orange and yellow crazy. Um, I don't know. That was my first like video game that I ever played was that <laughs> I can't even remember who was on that team, but that uh, Pavel Burry was like, it was the oh, old yeah. school Canucks team. And they were the, that was the black, that crazy black thing. And it's funny because I don't hate the Canucks regular jerseys. Like they're good and probably more appropriate to Vancouver. But yeah, that's funny in the NHL. Um, yeah, Rob, I went to the NBA because my all-time favorite jersey in pro sports is the Blazers. Yeah, and I, I don't particularly love the color, the color scheme, but we've talked about this many times. Um, probably the only team in American pro sports that's ever decided to have a like concept art be their jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just I love that. Um, and then the other one, I do love the Dodgers. I have to admit, oh, I, do I, love, I do too. Yeah, I, I love the red number on the plain blue and white. You know, on the front of the plain, otherwise plain blue and white jersey is really cool. That's my old man jersey, I guess. And then the other one I love, which I just will give me one chance to beg one team that I support to do something better with their uniforms. Rob, the Portland Thorns of the NWSL, the Women's Soccer League, have really cool, like the whole. S- motif, motif of, is good. right the well it's the rose city right mm-hmm. the portland rose city and then they chose to call themselves the thorns and they have all this cool crap and they i don't know that one really makes me happy and the reason i brought it up is because i am a north carolina courage fan that was the one team i adopted when i moved to north carolina and i was really happy that naomi osaka bought in as an owner of that team this weekend which i thought was really cool um, they have the worst uniforms in American professional sports, and I wish they would change them. So that's all. That's all. Um, yeah. Sorry. No one knew they were coming here and getting North Carolina Courage uh, comment, content tonight. So. No, we're, we're now your number one North Carolina Courage uh, podcast. <laughs> no, we're not. They have like a serious fan base, actually. They're uh-huh. they're nuts about this. Yeah, I think there are multiple podcasts about the North Carolina Courage. Well, yeah. So awesome. there we go. Yeah. Um, um, I, I guess I, I got a couple. Like I got a couple classics, and then, given what I said about the NBA, I had to choose one. I really do like the the Miami Vice, Miami Heat ones. Yeah, because <laughs> I think they're Those unique cool. to them. Like it doesn't throw me off. It's not like watching the Lakers in blue or, or somebody else running in black. Mm-hmm. I also kind of like the the New Orleans the fl- the three fleur de lis, but it all oh, it, yeah. it looks more like a soccer jersey to me. But I like the Miami Heat ones, and then. I've got two, the opposite end of the spectrum, the Maple Leafs, just the classic jersey, I think is one of the best in sports. And then we talked about them earlier tonight in terms of stadium. For whatever reason, I love the San Francisco Giants. I like the yeah. color scheme. 
I just I like the the orange and white on the black hat. Well, you're a Mets guy, Rob. So well, Mets guy. So like that's. I mean, they they yeah. took well, they took the Dodger blue and the Giants orange. Yep. The Mets, but I just I really have always liked the Giants. Um, unis. It's my grandfather and my dad were huge New York Giants fans before they moved to San Fran. Huge Willie Mays fans. So I've always kind of had some degree of an affinity for for the mm-hmm. team. Um, yeah. But I think those are very classic looks. So I've got one kind of of the new yeah. off, off the wall ones and then a couple of boomer choices. Oh, I have to add, if we need it to throw in baseball, I know I'm biased because they're the Phillies and whatnot, but the Phillies baby blue jerseys. Oh, yeah. I, I think I spent all summer telling my mom the next Phillies jersey I get needs to be baby blue because it's with the old P on the front too. It's just so cool. Yeah, the maroon. Oh. So good, yeah. <laughs> like well, I love so that. Like, the baseball in general, like all the ones, like I, I always thought the Phillies uniforms were cool, but a lot of the uniforms that we thought were kind of outlandish or, or not cool, now we're realizing we're so great. Like I love the fact the Padres are going back to the original color scheme. Me too. Or, yeah, um, the brown and yellow. Yeah, the brown and yellow, or the Astros. You know, mm-hmm. the ones are um, the Brewers logo. Like they've got so many good things that they can go back to. Um, it's just there's a lot of classic stuff that's like everything comes back in style. Well, I've appreciated the Phillies, um, the light blue more because we don't have the Expos anymore. Yeah, we're doing it. Right? And so there's nobody. There's nobody else really. Like there's very. I don't know. Do the Blue Jays do that at some point? But nobody really does it very often, you know. So at and least not in the, the 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 P the font with little. It's just a cool look. Everything about it just seems very in sync. I have yeah, one. It's Philly, always hard. I have one Phillies hat, and I made sure it was a maroon one with the old school P because it just looks so good. Yes, yes. Did the I Phillies know. ever have one of those pillbox hats, or was that just the the Pirates? You know what I'm talking about with like the with like the Where kind of stands top? up straight, yeah, stands up, which were really ugly in concept. I but I don't think they did, but I could be wrong. I don't remember that either. Yeah. I was trying to think. Yeah, I, I was Google most teams. It. it definitely came up as, oh, as gosh. a thing. I don't know. No, all of these teams need totally sweet pillbox and throwback. I don't know if it's like a real thing or just a throwback thing. But by the way, this Super Bowl is going to be one of the best uniform. The Chiefs is a very classic uniform against one of the most horrendous uniforms from a team that has great uniforms in their closet. Yeah. This Buccaneers setup the last couple of years is disastrous, <laughs> and but, they have. NFL in general are kind of yeah the NFL is really messed it up here. Yeah. I think it's colors. I want the Eagles oh. to bring back the Kelly green jerseys yes, more often. Yes, that's the, different. How and cool. can the Eagles play in these dark greens when they like? I will, don't be cool. You have the Randall Cunningham jersey sitting in your closet. I will Just say I like <laughs> the midnight green. I really do. Okay, but I love the Kelly green and the old school yeah. Eagles logo and the like the wing starting at the front of the helmet. Yeah, Rob, the Giants need to have Giants on the helmet. Yeah, it's just everything old is new again. Because when the yes. Giants switched the NY, that was old. And I remember as Giants fans, we were like, oh, it's so weird. It's classic throwback. And now everybody looks we're like, why did we give up the Giants? They're such a great look. Like, and it's kind of <laughs> the Eagles. Like, when they when they switched to different color greens, everybody's like, yeah, absolutely. You got to do it. Um, uh-huh. But now you look back fondly on, on the color green. The Falcons, another one. You know, the black motif was so great, but now you're like, oh man, if they had more red in there, it's like, it just need to mix it up. But in general, NFL uniforms are boring. They're just colors. They're colors with the uniform. Like, and it's kind of nice the way it's not too 
kind of uh, busy or muddled up. Remember when the Broncos first moved? Yes. Like that was crazy outlandish, but it really wasn't much. Like you don't have a lot of logos or even words on NFL uh, jerseys. But the Broncos would be better off with the old Bronco in the D. Absolutely. Or the Patriots old logo. Yes. The random Patriot guy um, snapping the football. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, the one I'm hoping. Yeah, the NFL's gotten too strict. With like yes. what they can do, even with cleats, you know, you can't even wear certain cleats. And I yeah. think they need to let the players have fun with it and kind of I would think it'd be cool to let one player at the team design a jersey for a game a season. Like that'd be so cool. But yes. I don't think they'll ever do just, it. No, let's do something different because it's just basically like the green team is playing the blue team. You know, there, yeah. there's not a lot not a lot going on there. Rob, I keep getting hopeful for MLS. They've had terrible uniforms traditionally. Like every team is the same boring color scheme. And the last couple of years, the Miami team coming in that's like pink and black is mm-hmm. good. And that, I don't know if you've seen the Austin, the new Austin FC logo looks awesome um, for the new team in Austin. It's like the tree of life kind of thing. I don't know. Well, the that problem could with, be, the M- with MLS and, and kind of soccer yeah. in general is teams focus so much on the crest and crests yeah. are great, but they're not really visible when you're watching games on TV or from a stance. You know, I hadn't just, thought about that, but that's true. Cool thing. Like everybody's so excited, like, oh wow, it's so so cool. And constantly, how many t- MLS has got to be the most rebranded league in history? Oh yeah. When you think about all these teams, remember the original Columbus Crew, where it was like, it was like a Dude's silhouette of a bunch of bad rappers, <laughs> yeah, it was- hats. It was the worst thing ever. But then everything's kind of evolved, so you have really nice, kind of clean branding of these crests but it doesn't translate to jerseys because they just choose a color scheme and then some random for MLS, honestly, usually like a second tier sponsor. Um, Yeah. But no, it's, it's, they can find some way. They do a really excellent job with the details of very tiny things, but how do you translate that to a big uniform? That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I like our DC United black and red. So nice and easy. (laughs) Oh, well, Katie, we are so thankful, Rob. I don't know if we had any other OT things that I missed here. Oh, no, I saw I, one. I saw one. Oh, Best post game quote, and I, it's because I thought of one. Uh, and it it will go. Know the one. It will tie all the way back to the beginning of this episode, talking about Kurt Signetti and his coach speak, because he, <laughs> he was so. I I remember watching a po- or a post game press conference in this past December with Saban, and he said something where I, I was like, I heard Kurt Signetti say that at least ten times in one season, but there was. It was after his first home game at JMU as the JMU coach against St. Francis. And he walks into the press conference. He sits down. He does his opening statement. He gets asked one question. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm undefeated in this building. And I just (laughs) – it was so different from what I had heard from him leading up to that game that it cracked me up. And I – that will need to go down in history as one of the best Kurt Signetti quotes. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> epic. Uh, oh man, that's good. I had I did not I had kind of forgotten about that, but I, I now that you're saying that, of course, the everyone knows why because he'd beaten the hell out of JMU the year before with that Elon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob, I didn't think I I don't know that I had anything post game. You know, I mean, the Houston lock the gates quote is probably the one that jumps out at me the most, but that's a pregame. No, you know? I, I mean, 
I don't remember any sports quotes. Other, it, this probably isn't post game, but the only one that sticks out to me is "Who sex to Kembe," which is it's probably more urban legend at this point. Um, but I don't know. That's I'm not a big big quote guy. Some of the I, I like reading them and going back. Uh-huh. But most of them are apocryphal. Like all the ones that I really enjoy, it turns out never really happened. Um, well, but I, I think I go to my grave believing that "Who sex to Kembe" actually really happened. <laughs> you heard that was yeah. that just was that just like in my high school growing up or did you hear that as well i don't really know it except through the men in blazers podcast like i've never really known it so yeah i i went to high school with a guy who had an older sister at georgetown and we heard this story that dikembe came back after a big game where they had beaten i don't know st john's or something and he went to I don't know, let's just say the tombs or something about the Georgetown bar and walked in and everybody cheered and he held his arms up and just said, who sex to Kembe? And the whole crowd <laughs> went wild. And I have no idea if this is true or not, but this has been urban legend for like 30 years. And I'm sure like Dreek and praise and everybody yeah, yeah. else in Black Mire will swear. Everybody's got an origin story of when they heard this, but that's yes. the only one's ever. So, and I'm sure if we Googled it now, you'd come up with 6 million versions. So, I don't know. That's just for me when I think of just ridiculous post game quotes that probably are not true. Mm-hmm. That's the one that that makes me laugh. Yeah, I I think the Rashid, uh, the ball don't lie, Rashid yeah. one. You know, which is probably not Rashid Wallace. I mean, I, I mean, he got that from before. I mean, he had that ready, but that one, nothing makes me happier than that when when I have an opportunity for a team I'm supporting to use. Because it's not true. Yes, it is kind of true. And yeah, I, the Rendon home run in game six of the World Series a couple years ago after the call um, in Houston where they called I don't even, the guy out on the baseline. It was some nonsense. And I, I was just so angry and I was convinced the Nets were going to lose the World Series and Rendon hit the home run. And I just immediately, that's the immediate thing that we all thought of, you know, and I'm sure we all have those moments. So, yeah, that's pretty fun. Well, Katie, it's so good to have you back and thank you so much for your time. We, um, we, we can't wait to have you again, anytime you want to come on. So, um, I hope everything is going well for you in the weirdest year of all. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me again. Know, this it's was good to talk to you again. This was a nice, fun way to end my night. So I appreciate it. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. And actually, yeah, you attracted quite the, you know, you got some fancy JMU alums asking <laughs> us to have you back. So that's good. That's that's very uh, yeah, good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yes, yes. So I was like, these are the heavy hitters. This is the Pilot crew. I have or some the supporters. This Godwin. is great. Uh, yeah, that was not the Pilot crew, actually. That was the Godwin, Godwin. crew. That's Godwin yeah, that crew. was the real Oh, wow. That's yeah, yeah. 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 Was, they were like, I've, this is, I've supported yeah. in the Godwin lot. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, get, was, like, uh, you get shrimp when you walk through their tailgate, not Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, you're right. uh, it's so good talking with both of you. I, I can't believe we have we're going to be talking football soon and that we're going to be talking football while we maybe talk postseason basketball and the number 10 lacrosse team. And it, uh, this should be a fun together. Well, if I can get my head out of the snow and like the fact that I never leave my house, it would this could be a really fun couple months, right? So hopefully we can enjoy it. A lot of ifs there. A lot of ifs. Yes, you're right. You're right. Oh, but Katie and Rob, thank you both. And uh, I'll be looking forward to talking with you both again very soon. Yeah. Good chat with you guys. All right.
Bye, Katie. Bye. Go Dukes.